At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. What's happening, folks? Welcome to another edition of the Chicago City Cast. As always, presented by Bad Rivers. And as always, I am your host, Danny Burke. Remember, you can follow along on the tweets at Danny Burke 5 and make sure to catch my show, Rush Hour. Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, live out of the Bet River Sportsbook up in Des Plaines, Illinois. If you can't make your way to the sportsbook, well, remember you can catch us on the Marquee Sports Network along with Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, and always iHeartRadio and VSIN.com or the VSIN app. Uh, before we get into all the things we're going to talk about, Today on the show, which of course will be the Cubs game, the White Sox game, game three of the NBA Finals. I want to recap. Oh, that's right. It's time for another vent sesh, baby, because bad beats came through once again, recapping our plays from Rush Hour. And man, and just a play from here on the CityCast, dude, that one, <laughs> that one really stung. But first, let me just kind of go in order. Of how this went down. So I'm watching this Braves game last night because I ended up taking the Braves on the run line against the A's. Braves, in my opinion, were in a fantastic spot. You had Kyle Wright, who's been a stud. He's a righty. The A's can't hit righties. And for that matter, I mean, look, uh, the A's can't hit anyone, but especially righties. They're not bad against lefties, but they're atrocious against righties. And Kyle Wright's been doing really well. And the Braves have been on a hot streak. Now, conversely, Oakland's thrown out Cole Irvin. Numbers aren't good. The underlying stats, not great. The Braves have been smashing lefties. 
So they were over like $2.30 favorites. So I'm like, no, of course I'm not going to do that. I'll go with the run line, minus 117. Well, what do you know? Kyle Wright in the first inning gives up two runs off a single. It's, uh, it's not a good start to wanting to cover a run line. But it's the Braves. We're expecting a lot of runs. So be it. And Acuna gets a leadoff home run, 2-1. to one. Acuna gets another home run, 2-2. Two to two. Now, I believe it was Ozzy Albies, if I'm not mistaken, who had a ball that was hit that was inches from getting over the fence. And I mean inches. Missed a home run when it was 2-2. Two to two. It's all right. He gets a double out of it. One out. No big deal. Oh, but Ozuna comes up. The man who can't do squat anytime I've ever watched him, but somehow he's padding his home run stats all the time. I feel like, and this is, of course, me without doing any research, that he's just a consistent 220 hitter who's going to get like 20-plus home runs a year, and that's the only reason he's staying afloat in the big leagues. Again, I'm probably way off, but that's what it feels like when I watch him. Pops up. They don't score. Whatever. Uh, eighth inning, I forgot who it was. Solo home run. Give him the lead, 3-2. to two. All right, maybe we could tack on one more. Nope, another game where Danny bets the run line. And the game falls on one. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that'll sting. That's for sure. You know what I've been ending up doing a little bit, honestly? And I did do this last night. Is I'll throw even a little bit on the money line, even if it's really expensive like that. Not in terms of betting to win, but betting to risk, meaning I'm going to go kind of with like my standard unit that I would bet because I don't want to lay, say, for example, if my if I'm typically betting to win 100, right? Instead of doing like 230 to win 100, I would bet maybe like 100 to win whatever the odds would be. You know, something like that just because of this happening, which for some reason to me, it seems like it's happening a handful of times this year, but more often than not, you know, it's not supposed to land on one, but uh, you know, the old shaft on Danny, that's the way the baseball season has been going. And the worst beat here, we talked about it on the city cast. Oh Lord, give me strength. Mitch White, four and a half strikeouts was his prop, right? This guy has not gone deep. Really? He was only going to go five innings. Four and a half, again, was the number. We laid some juice to the under, minus 165. The White Sox, Dodgers, scoreless. The White Sox had the third lowest strikeout rate against righties in the big leagues. They also can't hit righties. So they get the bases loaded. I'm looking because I'm watching the the Braves game. And so after that pretty much concluded, it's like the bottom of the fifth and the White Sox have the bases loaded with one out. So I'm like, all right, this guy's still in the game. Just either, you know, pop up, get out of the inning, double play, or just, you know, cause some damage and get the pen going. Well, I think it was McGuire. Yeah, McGuire's up. Dud. Strikes out. Battles to a 3-2 count. Crowds on, his, on their feet. Strikes out. Right down the middle. I don't even think he swung at it. Come on. And then I see Josh Harrison walking up to the plate. And I'm already like fuming because I know what is going to happen. Maybe not fuming just yet, but I know in my mind what's going to happen. And then it's like, oh, one takes a pitch. Oh, two. I'm like, yep, that's Billy Ballgame. Game over. He gets two strikeouts because he had three going into this inning. 
Okay. And then he's got the bases loaded. And you would think at least <laughs> there would be some kind of damage. But now he's mitigating it pretty well. So Josh Harrison is up. So it's the 0-2 count. And then he fouls one up. And it's a dribbler to the left. I was like, yeah, stay in, stay in. Nope, foul ball. Then I'm like, that was, that was it. He's not making contact for a squad. And what do you know? Strikes out. Josh Harrison has not done a lick of anything with this White Sox team. And we lose our bet. He's pulled the next inning. Bases loaded, one out. You know what, Chicago being the White Sox? Not Chicago overall, just the White Sox. I'm rooting for you guys. Except when I'm fading which was against the Blue Jays. But how are you not making contact? Bases loaded one out. And then just to kind of really stick it to me, obviously they go on the next inning to score like two or whatever, and it's just like, yeah, we didn't need that inning. Oh, but by the way, screw your bet, Danny. Suck it. Yeah, that's that's my uh, baseball betting in a nutshell this year. We did get the Tigers to come home on the money line. They made it a little bit closer than we wanted, but uh, Detroit did cash. How about the Lightning coming through, baby? Tying it up to a piece. Hopefully you did get that. Well, I was going to say win in regulation because that's what I said. But um, now nah, they covered the puck line. What was it, 4-1? to one? Yeah. Good effort, Tampa Bay. That momentum swung their way. Completely different piece when they go back to New York, though. You know how that's going to go. Well, more often than not, it seems. But they're a little bit on the Lightning as well. So overall, it wasn't a terrible night. It's just those two bad beats were... Just really horrendous. And, you know, even sometimes if you make it out positive, and I'm not saying I did yesterday, but even if you do, say you go like 3-1, and one, if that one loss is a bad beat or you know you should have had it, that one still kind of seems to outweigh the wins. That's just the human emotion of it. But you got to pack it away, got to move on, got to advance. Because I honestly, I felt great about both of those bets, and I still do. I mean, again, the Braves being held to three runs against the A's, they're making good contact, just wasn't falling. They won the game, they just didn't cover. So I felt like I was still on the right side of that handicap. Same thing with the Mitch White. I mean, come on. Back-to-back strikeouts with the bases loaded. Again, you know, I'll take those bets nine times out of ten, assuming the one time it doesn't hit is yesterday. So, yeah, that's just, that's just betting baseball. That's just betting in general. But, you know, let's move on. Get some positive thoughts. Look forward to what we can bet tonight. I do got one play in the NBA Finals game. We'll save for the second part of this episode. But let's go ahead and begin with some approaches to the Chicago baseball games tonight. And I'm actually going to start with the Dodgers and the White Sox because I got a bet in this game. The Cubs game, I got more so of a lean. So last night, the Sox did win 4-0 against the Dodgers. We kind of figured that would be the game that they could win. The market was moving their way. And we said, yeah, you know, lean with the White Sox. And they did figure it out. Michael Kopech had a great game. And they got to the Dodgers' bullpen. David Price, lefty, they took advantage. A couple runs against him. And then another guy who was a righty, I can't remember his name. But the White Sox keep a little bit of spark and that momentum going. But again... That was probably the game they needed to win and should have won, and they did, but it's not going to be the same tonight because you're facing Tony Gonsolin, who has been amazing up to this point. By the way, I took Tony Gonsolin 45-1 to to win NL Cy Young. Also took a little flyer on Josh Hader at 40-1, to but he did break his, what, I think it was like 40 innings or whatever the hell it was, scoreless streak last night against the Phillies. Very little one on Josh Hader, but... 
an actual look at Tony Gonsolin, 45 to 1 for NL Cy Young. And here's why. Not only is he on the Dodgers, he's in La La Land. He's going to get kind of more recognition just because of being on one of the best teams in baseball. Walker Bueller's regressed. Clayton Kershaw hasn't been consistently playing. And he's just been the best pitcher on this team. And you know his name a little bit if you've been following the Dodgers or even just, you know, from far away. And this year, he's really come around. 6-0, 1.59 ERA, 3.04 FIP, 3.68 Sierra. He's got a home run to fly ball ratio of just 6.8%, a left on base percentage of 86%. My goodness, a BABIP of 200 stellar and a whip of 0.88 so yeah gonsolin has been the real deal folks and he's actually got a better fit on the road 2.43 than he does at dodger stadium 3.58 you're probably thinking he's got a good chance against the white Sox tonight considering he's a righty and just a great pitcher i'm thinking the same thing well, who are the White Sox thrown out there? None other than old veteran Johnny Cueto. The righty himself is 0-2 with a 2.92 ERA for the White Sox, 3.10 FIP, 4.3% home run to fly ball ratio, 1.26 whip, 307 BABIP, so that's a little high, and his Sierra's a little high at 4.11. So, look, Cueto's been sufficient enough for the White Sox, but really it was his first two quality starts at Kansas City and at New York against the Yankees, held both teams scoreless, but then he went back to guaranteed rate field versus the Cubbies. He struggled in that game, gave up nine hits and five earned runs. I think the Cubs won five to one that game. And then he went up north to Toronto to play the Blue Jays, surrendered four earned runs, and the White Sox lost that spot as well. So Cueto has regressed the last two starts after the surprisingly very strong beginning outings for the White Sox. Now, again, we know this. The Dodgers hit right-handed pitching very well. Conversely, the White Sox are terrible against righties. No need to go over all the stats we discussed yesterday. We know the Dodgers' bullpen is sufficient, whereas the White Sox' bullpen has absolutely struggled. So I open this line from a personal standpoint, you know, giving a little bit of the benefit of the doubt to the White Sox because of this momentum they've created. And the Dodgers have been, you know, a little back and forth. So I'm not saying I'm making the White Sox a favorite. No, 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 no. It's just I'm making the Dodgers not as big of a favorite as maybe they should be because of those reasons. So I made the Dodgers about minus 160. But I'm making this in terms of kind of where I thought it would open or where I think it kind of should be around. But that doesn't mean if the odds are higher that I would stay away from it. Now, that's not the case for every single game. But with the Dodgers and with Gonsolin against Cueto, you know, it's this certain situation that's making me feel this way. But then I put the White Sox at plus 150 and I made the total actually a short one at seven and a half. Now, um, we saw this game actually open in Vegas with the Dodgers like minus 165, the White Sox plus 140, and the total was eight and a half. So I'm a run lower. I'm apparently way off than where these books got this total at. But the reason I'm saying that it's going to be lower is because Tony Gonsolin's a stud, and, well, the White Sox can't hit righties. Now, the Dodgers could be a big part 
in contributing to the runs, right? So maybe they get to Cueto, maybe they get a few on him. All right, well, you know, the White Sox bullpen, yeah, maybe give up a couple more. I don't know. I could see this being like a 5-2 type of game somewhere around there. 6-2, probably not 6 Yeah, like 5-2 is probably where I'd see it in favor of Los Angeles. So I'm not betting this under, however, just again, because Dodgers could just absolutely dominate against Cueto tonight. And who knows, maybe the White Sox can get to the Dodgers bullpen if Gonsolin, you know, throws too many pitches early on. Yeah, there's just a lot of factors. But it's not like the weather is playing that big of a factor. Nothing's blowing out too much. Uh, let me double check. Yeah, I mean, nothing too crazy with the weather. I just don't like betting full games under. You know this. I've talked about it a lot. And even with the first five... You're obviously not getting as many runs your way to work with. And I think with the amount you are given, it wouldn't completely shock me for the Dodgers, again, to put up like a three or four spot against Cueto. And then all you need is like one out of the White Sox because four and a half is where it's at. At bet Rivers, overs minus 120, unders minus 104. Whatever. Long story short, I'm not going to get involved with the total in this game, but I would lean under. But where the market has moved now, the Dodgers are minus 167 at Bet Rivers. The White Sox are plus 145. The run line for LA is minus 103. And hey, if you want to take the run in the hook with the Southsiders, you're laying minus 117. Total remains at 8.5, a, a little bit of juice to the over minus 114. So yeah, I thought this thing would kind of uh, tick down a little bit to 8. We'll see what happens, but I just don't envision the White Sox contributing offensively. Especially if Gonsolin can keep going. And Cueto has been at least decent. Like, you gotta figure he's probably not gonna give up more than four runs. So, yeah. Maybe I could lead you to betting the total and having more confidence than I would. Strong lean to the under in both the first five of the game. But more importantly, I pulled the trigger on the Dodgers' money line. Minus 165. This is their spot to win. They got a reliable pitcher in Tony Gonsolin. I mean, Mitch White, the White Sox, couldn't even get a hit against, and he's a righty. Now you're throwing what I consider a Cy Young candidate in Tony Gonsolin. These are the games he has to control. These are the games him and the Dodgers have to win. Take advantage of this White Sox team that cannot hit righties. Go out there and get the dub, and I'm thinking they do, and I laid minus 165, showing my support for the Dodgers. You know what, Chicago? You screwed me on that pitcher prop last night. You owe me a loss tonight. Sorry, White Sox fans. <laughs> I'm just hoping that's the way it goes. But in all seriousness, yes, I do like the Dodgers tonight. I'm going to be putting some trust in the Dodgers' bats to overcome the White Sox bats. And more importantly, Tony Gonsolin being the big reason why Los Angeles has success at Guaranteed Rate Field this evening. Let's move over to the East Coast. The Cubbies looking to avenge their loss last night against the Orioles. Chicago loses 9-3 at Baltimore. Uh, what? I mean, we talked about Keegan Thompson. I said, yeah, I kind of lean toward the Cubs, but for some reason I'm thinking that a Keegan Thompson implosion could be due. I did not think it would be to that extent, though. Seven earned runs against the Orioles. Yikes, kid. Yikes. 
And of course, it's right after everyone starts touting him up and he's starting to get a little bit more national recognition because that's just the way it goes. And that's probably the way it goes for the Chicago sports teams. Yes, I am very pessimistic with so many things and I think everything revolves around Chicago and myself. I get that's not the case, but it's funnier to think that way. All right, let's get into this analysis for this matchup. Marcus Stroman, the righty, has uh, struggled to say the least. 2-5, and 5.32 ERA, 4.19 FIP. So again, his numbers should be a little bit better than what the ERA is indicating. He's got a Sierra of 3.66. So yes, potentially promising for Stroman. But then you look at his home run to fly ball ratio, 17.5%. His left on base percentage, how the hell did he even manage to do this? 57.7%. His whip is 1.23. And he's coming off an outing where he surrendered nine earned runs versus the Cardinals. So yes, Strowman should be a guy you want to bet and against a guy like Jordan Lyles, who we'll get to his stats in a second. But we talk about players being sporadic, uh, players being volatile. Marcus Strowman is... The captain of that as of this moment. He really is. But he should be doing better. Why can't he tonight against Baltimore? Well, let's talk about Baltimore. Let's talk about their starter, Jordan Lyles, the righty, 3-4, and 4.50 ERA, 3.98 FIP, 351 Babbitt. That's way too high. 1.48 whip, too high. 4.07 Sierra, eh, manageable. He's surrendering about 6.6 hits per game. Lyles has given up a decent amount of hits. He's been giving up a few runs on average, and he's really been consistent in doing that. So the Cubs should at least be able to get two or three off of him. But at that point on, do you trust the Cubs' bullpen? I just really on the road and against this Orioles team that, again, I told you I have the least amount of knowledge on. Like, I just have not handicapped them, and I don't like the least amount of any team since I've been betting baseball, I swear. So I would stay away. Again, that's just me. But right now, the market has the Cubs minus 127, the Orioles plus 110, total at 8.5, shaded to the over. So I opened it at 8.5. The books opened it at 8.5, so we're right there in both. Uh, I had my line, Chicago minus 120, Baltimore plus 110. The books had minus 125 to Chicago and plus 105 to Baltimore. So, you know... Pretty close, not too far off. I wouldn't trust the Cubs for the full game. If anything, I'd bet them first five because I do think Stroman is due to finally have a damn good start. Let's hope. But also another angle I think could be could be worth a look. What about Jordan Lyles over three and a half strikeouts? Most books have three and a half. You're laying like minus 127. Bet Rivers has four and a half. Search around if you want to bet it, but I would actually go over. Now, Jordan Lyles, let's see, he's gone over this in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven outings out of 11 starts. So pretty good track record for Lyles over three and a half Ks. His last two games, he has failed to get over it, but the Cubs are actually striking out a decent amount against righties, believe it or not. If you look at their K rate, let me pull this up really quick. Their K rate against righties is 23%, which is 18th in Major League Baseball. And overall, just their K rate, you know, it's it's kind of up there. 
That's for sure. They just they struck out five times against uh, who the hell was pitching last night? I can't even remember. Um, but regardless, they struck out five times against him. He was a righty. You know the Cubs are betting, batting better against lefties. So yeah, if you want to do something, I you know this one I might throw just like a quarter unit on or something like that, just a little bit of action. Nothing too crazy. Lyles over three and a half Ks. That would be something I would entertain. If you want a, a just the other angle aside from a prop, yeah, I would lean first five Cubs. Not going to bet anything with that, but might throw a little bit on Lyles over three and a half Ks. Just a little bit so I can entertain myself during the game. Uh, but otherwise, our top play, Dodgers money line minus a buck 65. We're taking the flyer on Tony Gonsolin, not only for the game, but for 45 to 1 odds to win NL Cy Young. And a little, little, little sprinkle on Josh Hader at 40-1. to 1. Those are the best numbers in the state of Illinois. Another game I'll talk about really quick here that I'm probably going to bet, Rangers and Guardians. Dane Dunning, Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber at home. He's got an ERA of 5.51. However, his FIP is 1.97, and that's because one outing, he gave up seven earned runs versus Toronto, but otherwise he's been a stud. Three and three overall, 3-1-2 ERA, 2-7-9 FIP, 7% home run to fly ball ratio, 1.15 whip, and a Sierra of 3.46. So you probably got to imagine Texas, a team that has an 88 WRC plus against righties, and that number gets even worse on the road, would struggle against a guy like Shane Bieber. Yeah, you're probably right. But how will the Guardians fare against a guy like Dane Dunning? Cleveland, not too bad against righties. 316 Woba, 109 WRC+. Dunning, 1-3, 411 ERA, 374 FIP, 15.6% home run to fly ball ratio, 1.27 whip, 3.50 Sierra. So it's kind of some conflicting numbers, but maybe, you know, Dane Dunning should be doing better than you would be led to believe. But he has definitely struggled on the road. 491 ERA, 347 Woba, and a 3.96 FIP. And oddly enough, the Rangers have ended up losing all of his road starts thus far. Plus Dunning, 0-1 with a 10.29 ERA in two career starts against Cleveland. 0-0 with a 9-flat ERA and one start at Progressive Field. So this seems like it would be an obvious fade Dane Dunning type of bet, right? And fade the Rangers. And if you're thinking that, I wouldn't disagree with you. The issue here is you're paying a steep price on the Guardians, like over minus 160. I would have made the line minus 140 just because Texas does have some hot hitters. And I just don't think the Guardians deserve to be a favorite of over, like, minus 150, regardless of who is pitching. Well, I won't go that far. But you get my point against a Rangers team that has been a lot better with some hot bats. Uh, they split a doubleheader last night, and tonight is the rubber match. So, what you also have to know, though, if you want to go full game, really quick, sorry, I forgot to say this, uh, Cleveland has a great ERA, 3.01 in their bullpen, and a whip of 1.08, which I think is the lowest. 
Texas has an ERA of 3.41 and a whip of 1.24. So not only could you consider Bieber for the full game, but hey, maybe consider the Guardians, or excuse me, Bieber for the first five, but hey, maybe consider the Guardians for the full game. Again, they're a little bit too expensive. It's a short total here. I opened it at seven. Books opened at seven and a half, and it's dipped to seven. So when you're betting run line with a short total, you realize you're not really getting much to work with, it seems. That would be the assumption. But that doesn't mean that the Guardians can't win 3-1 to one or 3 nothing or 2 nothing or 4. You know, you keep going on. There's a lot of room to work with in that sense, but still. Now... I'm really interested in betting this total under, but I don't want to bet it under seven. It's so low, and you know I don't bet unders for the full game. And the first five is incredibly low at three and a half. So where does that take me? Ding, ding, ding. You guessed it. No run in the first inning. Pet Rivers has a tremendous number on this compared to other books. I've seen it as high as like minus 180, but that's just... I don't know why. Some of these books have a frame like how many runs in the first inning in zero and like this one book that does that always has it incredibly chalked. Like it makes no sense. Nevertheless, the more steady books have it like maybe minus 130 to minus 150 range. But again, Bet Rivers has minus 112. Bieber has only surrendered one run in the first inning throughout 10 starts. Dunning has only surrendered runs in the first inning in two out of 11 starts. And they were his two first starts of the year. Now we talked about home run to fly ball ratio. A solo home run typically can kill you in this spot. He's at 7%. Average is 10%, so that's good. And Dunning is a high one, you know, over 15.5%. But what benefits him is playing at progressive field where it's not really a hitter's park, first of all. And second of all, the wind is blowing in 12 miles per hour. So, yeah, I think if you're only laying minus 112, honestly, I would probably play this up to like minus 118 maybe minus 120 i get it's only two cent difference but you know minus 112 i just think because of the price is a really good i i think realistically it should be at minus 130 that's where i think it should be so i guess in that sense okay fine lay the minus 120 but you know just laying anything with like Minus 120 or above for like a no run in the first or something like that just seems a little bit too much for me just for one inning. That That's the only reason I say it. But again, I do think it should be priced at like minus 130. So, hey, if you're fine laying minus 120 at that point for, you know, a bet that can, of course, be screwed with one swing of the bat, then go for it. But yeah, I uh, I like that at minus 112, no run in the first. I just like if it's if the total's at seven. Wouldn't you think it'd be more expensive for Nolan in the first, assuming there's not going to be a lot of scoring? That's just my two cents. But, yeah, that's another bet I would consider on the diamond. We'll talk more about it on Rush Hour, probably make it an official play. So no run in the first, minus 112, Rangers, Guardians. Flyer on Gonsolin, Cy Young, and Hayter, 45-1 to and 40-1 to respectively. More so on Gonsolin, though. And Gonsolin tonight against the White Sox. Give me the Dodgers' money line, minus 165. Very minuscule lean to the Cubs' first five, but more importantly, might throw a little bit on Lyles. Over three and a half strikeouts, minus 127. Quick break here on the City Cast, but don't worry, we'll be back with a bet and some leans for game three of the NBA Finals. We're rooting on our Warriors. Can they take care of business in Boston? We'll tell you what the odds think and what I think next here on the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers.
Baseball is here and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every single Saturday throughout the entire season. Place a three-leg, same-game parlay of at least $25 and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to help you make your perfect combination. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. It's 1-800-426-2537. Okay, let's get into it. Game three of the NBA Finals out in Boston. The Celtics, home favorites against the Warriors. We touched on this yesterday, and honestly, folks, not much has altered. Boston opened three and a half. They remain three and a half. Total opened 212 and a half. And, you know, you saw it dip down to 212 in a lot of spots, and that's still where you're seeing it right now at Bet Rivers. 212 minus 110 to the over. And minus 112 to the under. So maybe even a little bit of a dip to the under the farther we get along or the closer we get to tip off. Money line at Bet Rivers, Boston Open minus 154. And in terms of Golden State and their money line, they open plus 130. And if you look now, it's minus 152 to the Celtics. It was at like minus 157, but now it's minus 152 and the Warriors plus 128. So this one is, to me, the trickiest game to handicap. And even though we lost game one, I didn't find that a tricky game to handicap. It was just, I don't know, a complete aberration, a miracle, whatever the hell you want to call it, the Celtics' fourth quarter performance. And then game two, you're like, yeah, you expect Golden State to bounce back. Game three, you're probably expecting the Celtics to win. And I lean that way. But I'm really not that confident because of how the Celtics have played at home. I think they're just 5-4 and four straight up. And at like home opening games, I think they lost both. One against Milwaukee, one against Miami. And then they won on the buzzer beater in game one against the Nets. So it's always been close. But is this one going to be different? Again, we talked about this yesterday. I mean... The Warriors have had control of this series in pretty much every quarter except for one. Right? I mean, the second half in Game 2, it was all Golden State. All of Game 1, the Warriors had short leads, but they had control until the fourth quarter. Yet, all these Sharps supposedly are telling you, oh, we're still rating the Celtics as a better team. And hey, maybe they're right. But it took, again, a damn near perfect fourth quarter for them to win that game. And they did it by double digits, don't get me wrong. And the Warriors have not been that great on the road in this postseason. I think they're a game under 500. But like I said, I think the strategy remains the same. I will wait for an in-game bet, assuming the Celtics get on some kind of run with the crowd rallying behind them, get a better number on the underdog price with Golden State, and take the points. Boston is known for blowing these late leads at home. So maybe they don't lose, but if you get a better spread at some point earlier in the game, you can get that covered with Golden State. So yeah, that's probably my approach in terms of looking at a side. I'm hoping the Warriors win. I'd probably, well, I want to say want to take the three and a half, but you know, I kind of do think Boston wins this game. 
Man, if Golden State wins this game, though, huge. Just huge for this series. And look, game three overall is, is going to be just immense regardless. But like you're expecting, again, Boston to kind of win this game. So if Golden State can pull this off, then yeah. They will be looking like the team that I handicapped them to be before the series. Let's see how Draymond... Draymond's got to play safe out there, man. Now you got the target on your back even bigger after game two. Jordan Poole, keep it up, buddy. We need your scoring off the bench. Klay Thompson, you got to show up one of these games, buddy. Gary Payton Jr. being back was huge. The Celtics role players looking like actual role players was big. <laughs> hopefully they remain in that position. And hopefully freaking Al Horford doesn't come with a knife and stab me 30 times in the chest. Same with Peyton Pritchard or Derek White. I don't even, you know, Derek White, though, he, he's done pretty well for me when I back the Celtics. Peyton Pritchard doesn't do well for me. Neither does Al Horford. Those guys only hit their shots when I fade him. So for the sake of our Warriors series bet, not going to bet him pre-flop in this game. <laughs> All right, but speaking of the aforementioned Jordan Poole, this is the bet that I did pull the trigger on. How about Poole's points props being at 12.5? Overs minus 115 at Bet Rivers. The unders minus 110. I don't know if this... I, it just seems so low, right? And I get it. Game one, he struggled nine points, but then he bounced back game two with 17 points. Oh, but he's going on the road, so you're probably not expecting too much out of him. Really? The guy's averaging 18 points per game this entire postseason. He has gone over 12.5 points in 12 out of 18 games this postseason. He also played Boston once during the regular season and dropped 29 on him. And again, going back to game one, he had a bad game. Only took seven shots, made two of them, made one three. And as bad of a game as he had, he still racked up nine points and missed going over this by just four points. Typically, he's taken a lot more shot attempts like he did in Game 2 where he went 6 of 14 and 5 of 9 from deep. That's more the Jordan Poole stat line. So you're giving him 12.5 for his points prop. Hey, even if it doesn't go over, this is one of those bets where you almost just got to take the over because seldom should you be getting Poole as low as 12.5 on his points prop. This postseason, 44% of his shot attempts are coming from deep and he's making 40% of them. He's also been the most effective offensively his entire career during this postseason with an effective field goal percentage of 62%. Folks, during the regular season, he was at 55%. He has been relied upon. He has been needed and he has executed except for really game one against Boston. He just didn't take a lot of shots. He looks like he looked like he had those jitters. And maybe you're thinking, oh, they could come back in this tough environment in Boston. But you know what? Don't you feel like even if they like lose this game, they're going to need someone to step up and kind of keep shooting and Jordan Poole could be that guy? Look, 12 and a half is low. I'm going to take that over minus 115. So give me Poole over 12 and a half points. If he doesn't go over, look, the line was set appropriately. I miscalculated. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think you're going to get some good looks from Poole. He got over that hump in the last game, got a swagger back, hit a damn half-court buzzer beater. Bring that swagger to Boston. Get over 12 and a half, my guy. Other props I'm considering. Nick Whalen, senior editor, NBA content at Rotowire, always hops on rush hour. 
He touted Jason Tatum last Friday over 27 and a half points. The dude got over it, barely 28 with not playing that many minutes in the blowout. He's going back, doing it again. I don't blame him. Tatum over 27 and a half is intriguing. You would expect a big game out of him coming home for game three. He's gone over 27 and a half in 11 out of 20 games this postseason and five out of nine home postseason games. He was more effective as a score in the regular season. 53% compared to 51.5% this postseason. But a majority of his shot attempts come from deep where he's making 39% of them. And the Warriors are allowing opponents to connect on more shots from three, 38% compared to 35% in the regular season. So if Tatum's hitting his threes, yeah, you probably get him going over 27.5 and also if he gets to the free throw line. Overall, he's averaging 26.3 per game this postseason. You could kind of estimate where he's going to be based on the other series. But for some reason, this one against Golden State seems a little different because they're matched pretty good defensively. But I expect Tatum to go over, not rush into lay minus 121. But if you really want to root for Tatum and the Celtics, yeah, I think him over 27 and a half points is a viable option. Here's one that I want to bet, but I don't necessarily want to root against because I want him to succeed along with the Warriors and just because it's a short number, but I think it's a good a good angle here. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, three-point field goals made, one and a half, over minus 130, under even money. Now, Wiggins, this postseason, is getting about 1.6 three-pointers made on 4.3 attempts. He's gone over it in eight out of 18 games. But here's the catch. In seven road games... He has only scored two or more three-point attempts in one out of seven. That was game three at Denver where he went to a four. On the road, he's averaging 1.1 make on four attempts. Man, during the regular season, 36% of his shot attempts came from three, but now in the postseason, just 31%. He made 39% from three during the regular season, but now it's just at 36%. Boston is defending the three more efficiently than they did during the regular season, allowing opponents to connect on less than 34% of their three-point field goal attempts. He has made two three-pointers in each of the first two games this series, though, but those games were at home. During the regular season, his splits, he made 42.5% of his threes at home compared to 36% on the road. So, hey, Wiggins, under one and a half threes, even money, could be a good look. Might throw a little bit on it. Again, I don't really want to root against him or the Warriors. And it is low at one and a half. He gets some good looks. But he's not known to be a three-point shooter, clearly. But he can knock him down from time to time. I wish they gave me like two. And I'd pay like upwards to minus 140 on that. They don't give you the flat number, though. If they did two and a half, it'd be like minus 180 or minus 175 to the under. And I wouldn't want to do that necessarily. Well, maybe, but <laughs> in all reality, I'm not sure I'm going to release this as an official Danny's Dime on Rush Hour tonight, but again, could be like that Jordan Lyle strikeout prop and maybe throw a quarter unit on it. The stats are showing you one out of seven on the road. The only time he's gone over was back in game three at Denver. Boston has a better defense, especially against the three than the Nuggets do. But the issue is Wiggins does get left open because your priority is on Steph Curry, on Klay Thompson, on Jordan Poole, on other guys. So we'll see. But, yeah, keep that in the back of your mind, too. 
But otherwise, our official play, Jordan Poole, over 12.5 points. And we're hoping for a good in-game betting opportunity on the Warriors. Hell, we're hoping for it. And then we're hoping they win the damn thing outright. So let's get it, boys. Good luck to Golden State. Good luck to all your bets. Enjoy the games tonight, folks. If you want more action, remember to be sure to check out Rush Hour, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, at Danny Burke 5 where you can follow on Twitter. Let me know what you're playing. Let me know what you're sweating out. And hey, if you got any bad beats, send them my way, man. We'll talk about them. If it's a good enough one, we'll go over it on the show. But, you know, I'm sulking in my sadness every now and then here on the program, so you should be able to as well. It's a... Uh, it's a safe space, right? We all endure these bad beats and you feel like nobody cares because it happens all the time. But I care. I'm interested to hear what happens because I'm always bitching about it. So, hey, uh, no problem if you're doing the same thing. But let me know what you're thinking at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Always appreciate if you like and subscribe the podcast so you get notified when the episodes get released. So hopefully you can get those bets as soon as possible and you can lock them down and hopefully lock down some winners. We will be back tomorrow. Talking more puck, talking more baseball, and recapping what happens in tonight's game. Until then, once again, best of luck and take care, ladies and gentlemen.